and welcome back to They Made Another One. Each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. When was the last time you were in a cave? I'm taking that question very seriously. Um, you should. I hmm. mean it completely seriously. Have I even ever been in a cave? Let me ask my fiance. Brianna, have I ever been in a cave that you know of? Not a real cave. A real cave, like a Disney World cave, or yeah, I've probably been in like a Forest cafe. Okay. Yeah, like the rainforest <laughs> cafe right. at Disney World. But she's right. uh... I heard her say it, and she's absolutely right. <laughs> like I've been in, a... I've been in some tunnels in my life, but I don't know that I've ever well, been in a cave. How are we distinguishing tunnel from cave? I see a tunnel as like a a, a bridge that is closed off on one side and the other but you you can see the opening and you can see the entrance and it's just one straight path whereas so a cave, you, a cave I is think something you enter and have to exit the way you came in either that or you have to like turn like it takes an offshoot you know it's not it can't right. it's it's not like a it's not like a straw i've been in a couple straws in my life what's a straw but, you know like if you were to look at a straw through one end you'd see the other oh, end oh 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 you mean like a drinking straw <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought straw was like a term for something that I just didn't know. Yeah, it's cave. And in knowledge. a way, I guess it is. Yeah, maybe you have secret cave knowledge. I, I spelunking is my passion, but I've just never been able to do it. <laughs> um, Similarly, like acting in a slasher movie is my passion. I've never we have done to it. Get but... you in a, I think in a cave or maybe mine-based slasher movie. Oh, oh yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, I watched, uh, I, I don't remember if I talked about this on the episode, if I had seen the original My Bloody Valentine at the time we watched the remake, right. um, but but that last half hour of the original takes place in like a, a mining cave and it's, oh, it feels <laughs> so cool. I would love to go just wander around in like a Nova Scotia mining cave. How do those caves compare to the Rainforest Cafe for you? A lot. They're a lot less rainy, the mining ones, and right. there's a lot less food as well. Right. Um, a lot less smoothies. I love the Rainforest Cafe. What an insane idea. Oh, yeah. You've been there, too? I wonder if we saw it. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, well, we might have been to different ones. There's multiple. It's like a chain of stores. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. you can, like. There's a Rainforest Cafe in like a mall. Like, they're oh, just around. I got you, I got you. Um, I went to it, what comes to mind is, like, the Niagara Falls one, but, like, I just don't understand, like, what if we subjected all of our patrons to a colossal thunderstorm every 15 minutes or so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, every, like, think about the employees, right? Like, oh, every man. day, eight hours... Four times an hour, you are getting blasted with like a shrieking elephant and like flashing lights and booming bass and shrieking children. That's a weird, that's a weird play, man. man. They've got to be so tuned out. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even, I imagine it probably doesn't even like register. Like, their senses are just dulled. Yeah. And it's not. Oh my gosh, it's not like they play like pop music over the radio, right? Like I in my memory it's like jungle music, yeah. right? Did no, it, it's did, like did. It, it, and like screeching monkeys. Yeah. Holy <laughs> moly, that must be holy, holy moly. Holy moly. Holy sweet goddamn. Wow, yeah, that's pretty dramatic. Speaking of beings that have dulled senses, 
The Descent 2. Is that where we were? Monkeys? Beings um, have adult sex. Well, uh, I was thinking, like, we said that the employees were probably tuned out. Oh, they had the dull senses. I, I tried to it. find I tried to find a segue somewhere. Because, you know, blind cave monsters and all that, you know? Yes, I don't if know. You, if Look, you didn't not know, all segues are good. If you didn't know that The Descent Part 2 has blind cave monsters, it well, does. Well, the poster ruins it. I guess the poster doesn't tell you that they're blind, but... So, had you seen the poster before watching the movie? Is what I'm curious uh, I'll about. Okay, so uh, I want to know. What yeah. have I told Set it all be- up. So, okay, so I came into. We're watching the descent too. You you read you read the title. You know that. Um, I a didn't know anything about the descent beyond a few people are in a cave, and it's a movie that people like. And I didn't know anything about The Descent Part 2, except for it's the sequel to the cave movie that people like. Did um, you know that it existed? The Descent? Part 2. I mean, whenever we put it on this list is when I found that out. Okay. Um, I did look at the poster for The Descent Part 2, but I'm wondering almost if maybe there's multiple. Because now, most of what I've seen, I've seen a few different versions of it. They're all very obvious. They've got a big monster man in the back. Uh, it's like the majority of the poster. I swear I saw a poster for this movie where the focus was not on that to enough of an extent that I it did not register at all. I came into this having seen a poster and with still absolutely no idea that there were cave-dwelling monster men. That is so interesting. It kind of sounds like your brain was like, refusing to let that <laughs> surprise be spoiled for you because because it it's already amazing to me that you knew about the first descent movie you knew that it took place in a cave but you didn't know that there are monsters in it because i, I thought um, it was kind of a 127 hours the scary part is that you're stuck in a cave and and that totally makes sense because that first movie i i, I have seen it and um it is sort of a surprise like in the halfway through the movie that these monsters come out and i don't know what the marketing did for that movie if it if it hid that surprise or not but but in that in that first movie it is presented like a twist that there are these monsters in the cave because you're right you could make a really compelling movie 127 hours style just being in this cave but now that the movie has been out for over 15 years most of the rhetoric uh about the movie is just hey that's that's the the cave monster movie and so it's really cool to me that you didn't know that it almost feels like you like you were reading the premise of the first descent and then you stopped halfway through the sentence (laughs) got up and walked away (laughs) just decided i was like okay cave movie and i just was done yeah and then so the (laughs) fact that you didn't know that and then you went to part two and just looked at the poster and then your brain was still like all right i'm gonna look at the right half of the poster (laughs) (laughs) okay screaming face cool cave movie sick got it um it's 2009 i'm gonna go play spelunky on xbox live and think about caves some more i think i do know the poster you saw though if you look up on google there's a screaming face one but then there's also we have a woman brown or like not brown but like yeah 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 yeah. and she's like screaming up at the ceiling she's got some weapons in her hand and then here's the thing at her definitely monsters in this poster (laughs) but you don't you don't have to look close i mean I mean, I guess you do have to look close, is what I mean to say, because the title is way up top, glowing. She, Her head is up top, near the title, so your dr- brain is drawn to the top of the poster, and then they are kind of hidden in the darkness. So I, I can totally see, looking at that poster. 
so one way or another, I didn't know what the descent was about beyond the word cave. Very interesting. And I feel like that happens on this show a lot because I am new enough to being a horror movie fan that I just sort of haven't really had time to get to some of this stuff. And especially because I feel like, um, cause the first descent movie came out in what? 2005. That's right. Um, I feel like that era of horror does not really get sort of, um, hallowed or remembered or sort of attached to in the way that older movies do because of a nostalgia factor. So I wonder if if you're not a horror person, you just it, the descent wouldn't really be on your radar because it's not like people are falling over themselves to talk about it all the time. However, I do want to acknowledge that said, people obviously love the descent. I'm not saying they don't. I know they do. Yeah, but if if that's if that's what you experienced then and didn't really hear much about it, then I think that's the way it is. You'd know better than I would. I mean, for me, um the mid-2000s horror is kind of the time I started becoming a horror fan. Like, the first horror movie I ever saw in the theater by myself, or at all, possibly, was 2005. It was uh, the remake of When a Stranger Calls, uh, which I hope to get to on this podcast at some point. But I went to see it with my friend. I don't know how we got in, because we were alone, and we certainly weren't 13. But I... And a few years later, I got turned away from Kick-Ass for not being 18. So maybe there was... A, it's amazing an... that you just mentioned Kick-Ass. Sorry, the one of the crew members worked on Kick-Ass. It's just oh. weird that you mentioned that. <laughs> Look at that. That's <laughs> cool. Um, so maybe there was just a chill person working at my, my theater that day. But yeah, 2005 is when I started following new horror movies, I would say. So I, I remember when The Descent right came time. out. Um, just because it came out, and I don't know if it... It was in the theaters or it hit video, but right around that time um, was when like people in my classroom at the playground like started mentioning this movie. There was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess it was just like the sort of kids I associated with, but um, we just started talking about this movie. I don't know who brought it up, but then we knew about it quickly, and I probably rented it from the video store, two thousand six, two thousand seven, or something. Um, but I, I'd say you're absolutely right that we're not yet at the point where mid-2000s um, stuff is is looked at with nostalgia and revered. The early 2000s stuff is, is sort of getting to that point. Um, and then the 2010 stuff is like recent enough that people still champion that. But the mid 2000s is you you you'd kind of just pick out a few that people really do talk about. And I would say that The Descent is one of those movies. But um, also, it's that era is so low down on what's talked about that if you're not deep into the horror conversation, you probably wouldn't even hear about those favorites from the mid 2000s. So. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting to me that you didn't that you, you didn't know the creatures and you got to experience. I mean, at least the descent part two. Ideally, I'd say you'd experience that in the, the descent part, the one, part one. But <laughs> <laughs> but but that being said, it's cool that we st- we we still got to watch part two and come at it from Look, different man, angles here. It's not the first time this has happened. Okay, to me, I love it. Obviously, you have history with the descent. Um, had you seen this movie before? So this is really interesting, Corey. Um, I've, I I've love dis- when things are interesting. I discovered, uh, not while watching this movie, I discovered recently that I had seen this movie. Um, but I've got to say, this movie, 
I think is the least I remember about a movie I've seen ever in my life. I think it is, I, I mean, I guess that would that would be defined as the most forgettable movie I've ever seen in my life. Now, that's, wow. not, that's not my critique on the movie in this episode, um, but just whatever the circumstances were when I watched that first episode, it went through my brain so quickly because um, the way I learned that I'd seen this movie before was I was talking with some friends who I hung out with a few years ago in my year between high school and university. So this is like 2014, 2015, not that long ago. Um, I, I would have guessed that I could basically remember that I've seen you know, every movie I've seen in at least the last half decade or so because I'm like an adult. And so if I see a movie, I'm going to remember it. Um, and I remembered that with that group of friends, we were hanging out one night and we uh, we were scrolling through Netflix and we saw The Descent. And I said, hey, that's a, that's a really good movie. We should watch that one. And they were like, heck yeah, let's watch it. And we watched it. And then um, my memory of it ended there that we watched the first one and then that was it for the night. But I was talking to these friends, Brogo, one of them, a friend of the, is he friend of the show? I don't even know if he is yet. Friend but of he's, the show. He's, he's, he's Ro- friend roommate, of... <laughs> roommate of both of us at various times. Roommate extraordinaire. He's friend of, <laughs> of Corey and Liam, the men behind the show. Um, <laughs> He if was he's there not friends and... with the show itself. He's friends with us. <laughs> and by extension, <laughs> we are the show. Um, we are. And so, and so I, I learned through this friend group talking to them uh, maybe in the last year or so that we also watched The Descent Part 2 immediately after. And I, I could have sworn they were mistaken because I, I remember absolutely nothing about this movie. I don't remember sitting there watching it. I... I don't remember. It was like I went into like a fugue state as we watched this second one. It's totally gone from my memory. And then in watching The Descent Part 2 for this podcast, um, it's not like right when it started, I, I recognized it and the switch turned on. But it was more so as the movie progressed and certain elements were revealed, um, my lack of surprise for each one and also... It, it was as if as I honestly haven't experienced this before. It was it was like there were like these little repressed memories in my head. And then when something happened, it wouldn't be an oh, yeah, moment, but still somewhere in the deep recesses of my brain, it just like in my bones, I felt that I had seen this before and I wasn't a man who was watching it for the first time <laughs> even though even though it, it like it feels to me now that the Liam I was six years ago is not me because it feels so so different but I knew for sure that I had seen this movie and that my friends weren't mistaken um when when there's a reveal of a character who who survived in the cave right uh, right and um and when that came up it, it was just something just clicked and though i couldn't describe it i knew i knew that i had seen that before i had been there before it was some like barely deja vu moment and so yes i had apparently seen this before but i'm gonna say that all these thoughts are new i wouldn't have been able to rate the movie i wouldn't have been able to tell you anything about the movie but uh apparently i saw it i mean i guess that gap year between high school and university i was uh that was that was a different world that was a busy time and so um that's my experience with this one i've definitely felt that exact way for what it's worth um where you get partway through a movie and you don't fully go like oh yeah 
but like something deep goes like you know this yeah, this feeling like, is familiar to it's you. Like it's like primal. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, I've definitely had realizations like on this show or for stuff that we've done on this show, I should say, where um, I'm like, oh, I saw the original <laughs> like halfway through the sequel. I'll just go, oh, I do know what this is. Like, it'll just click for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but I totally get it. Yeah, so. it, it is amazing. I mean, I see my parents have this experience all the time, right? Where I'm like, it, it's going to be, I always say to them, it's going to be so cool to be old because I'll be able to watch a movie for the first time again. That sounds so great. Um, yeah, but you're going to do it for movies that like you probably didn't really care about that much. You're like, <laughs> finally, I can rewatch disney's the lone ranger that's that's true that's true but but occasionally like i'll watch something with my mom and we'll both really like it we'll have a good time and then a few months later she'll like tell me she saw this movie and i'll say mom we watched that together you really liked it and she'll be like oh well that checks out i really liked it again that's um, so funny and so uh i am sort of envious of that but i think my memory especially when it comes to movies is pretty good um but it just goes to show that memory is a lot trickier than we think it is it's sort of like uh when i stumble upon old facebook messages old facebook posts you know that you're reminded of from like eight years ago and it's like i can't believe i was the person that wrote this i it, i i can't recall doing that at all what was going on in my life at the time i don't know so <laughs> yeah i that's it's weird um and then now I get to have this weird opposite thing where like I will go watch the original of something and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that from when they do this with it in the sequel. But they don't do anything with it in the original because they're just setting up that it exists. They're like, right. here's the thing. And then it's like, oh, I've seen I've already seen you guys take this to the extreme. Come on. This is pedestrian. Get it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, now to really dive into this cave here. Yeah, the we'll descent, desc descend too. right into it because there's no water in this cave, no diving. We we yeah. covered that on 48 well, meters down, 47 meters down, uncaged. Right, 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 48 <laughs> meters down. Working title. I'm a fool. <laughs> um, there's water in this cave. You're right, right. There's there's a there's a few liquidy substances there's some other in this stuff cave. Also, um, so the descent part two. I keep going back and forth. The poster says part two, so I'm gonna try to stick with that. Um. Is directed by John Harris. It's his only directing credit ever. His editing credits include The Descent, The Descent Part 2, 127 Hours, Ooh, appropriately. He's a caveman. Uh, he's, he's a caveman. Uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and T2, Train Spotting. Not to be confused with T2, Terminator 2. Oh, man. John, uh, we'll be seeing you on the podcast again. Yeah, and so obviously he also edited this movie. Um, there's three writers, uh, all with names that start with J. Um, two of them are named James. One of them is named the letter J. So we have James McCarthy, J. Blakeson, who wrote, uh, I Care A Lot, which is that Rosamund Pike movie that's on Netflix right now. Um, directed The Fifth Wave in a movie called The Disappearance of Alice Creed. Um... And James Watkins uh, wrote Eden Lake, The Woman in Black, which I think is a Daniel Radcliffe movie. Yeah, and, yeah, um, we, we have the yeah. sequel on our list. There you go. And uh, Bastille Day. Um, cinematography is by Sam McCurdy, who also shot The Descent, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, 
and uh, a few episodes of Game of Thrones. And um, the director of the original Descent movie also did a few episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, and the music is by Dave David Julian, who did uh, The Prestige, Memento, The Descent, and uh, The Cabin in the Woods, actually. Man, a lot of good movies in there. Uh, a lot of people who worked on the first one, too, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah basically that's always ev- cool. everybody in some capacity, I think, except for the writers. So, like, aesthetically and sort of production conceptually, everybody was back. I believe the original um, director executive produced. That is, uh, yeah, that's Neil correct. Marshall. Yeah. 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 Um, so, cast is pretty small. You can only fit so many people in a cave. Um, Shauna McDonald, uh, Natalie Mendoza, Douglas Hodge, Kristen Cummings, Gavin O'Hurlahai, Josh Dallas, Anna Skellern, Michael J. Reynolds, Doug Ballard, Saskia Mulder, and Miana Burring. That's everybody. There you go. Cool. Hey, all everybody. Those, all those people get in a cave. I think, <laughs> I think all those people get in a cave anyway. Yeah. Uh, not if you said the old man. I don't know. I he did. did. He gets to the mouth of a cave. He does. He gets to the. He 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 almost descends. We'll have to <laughs> check out part three. See if he if he goes the full Monty. I I'll, I'm gonna ask this now because I feel like only sometimes do we mention this question. Um, do you th- reasonably think that we would ever get a part three of this? Now that it's been like a decade. Oh, Corey, that's a damn good question for you to ask. Dang, I am surprised that hasn't been done. I think I'm surprised th- we don't do that more. <laughs> Last time I remember talking about it uh, was. Um... <laughs> hellraiser inferno <laughs> and oh there, there are that more sequels and remakes one. after that but i remember getting into uh, a pretty deep discussion about uh um if that director were to return to the hellraiser franchise and i don't even know if that stuff made the episode but it is that, that that's a great question that we should continue to think about especially when we're talking about the most recent installment in a franchise i think um yeah especially like this case is fascinating because like so many things come in threes right that like they stopped it too do, do people even would, would a third even make sense why would people want that etc cetera, etc cetera. like is it maybe a more appropriate question for later once people know what we think or like is it a giveaway to talk about it now uh no because i i I think it's okay to talk about it now because a lot of the way i interpret the question is less of what i think about it and more what the public thought about it at the time and like what people think of the descent franchise now you know i think i can remove myself from it so yeah give it a shot um yeah it's a tough question because i mean the movie came out 11 years ago descent part two um which seems like a while but then we've covered we just covered mary poppins returns which came out what (laughs) 50 some years after the original so uh gosh 52 i think yeah so okay it this is actually kind of blowing my mind because 2009 (laughs) still feels very getting choked up up. (laughs) 2009 it feels so recent to me that was my childhood man and to think of a movie being sequelized or or remade if they were to remake the descent like it's got to start happening to movies from from uh moment from that moment at some point i you know it's there's been a few a few rare instances particularly 
uh, like French films tend to get remade pretty quickly um, in America. Uh, but I'm thinking, would The Descent be remade? It is a ripe premise. It is a cult classic, and it made a good amount of money at the time. And would The Descent Part 2 get a sequel? Okay, so I'm... It's exactly the kind of movie where people would remake it and people would be upset. I think. Right, yeah, yeah. But also, like, it's, it's, it's a good... It's a really good premise. I mean... It would stand up to be... Re- I'm going to say, Corey, I am going to say this movie will not be remade. And I say that because cave people, cave monsters in a cave, it's a, it's a good premise, but I think it is also a broad enough premise that you wouldn't need to attach the Descent name to it in order to do it again. I don't... I think the following of the movie is in that middle ground space where it's not so big that you would want to remake it because it's big and get people behind it but also it's not small enough that that you would think okay we need to do better with this thing we need to give it another shot sort of like uh my bloody valentine um so i'm gonna say it won't be remade and i don't think it will be sequelized because for a lot of the same reasons um i don't think the audience is quite there also, I think it's it's been so long now, um, and this movie ends pretty pretty definitively. Unless you really wanted to stretch it, and I think the time for stretching it has passed. I mean, they stretched the ending of the first one just four years later, and so I think I think the time has passed for a sequel to this one. So <clears throat> I'm gonna put down my answer uh, in the first. They made another one, future betting pool i will say that there will not be a remake or a sequel to this movie i'm putting it on record what about you i'm gonna go uh, this is not maybe the most exciting answer i i pretty much agree with your assessment it's a good enough concept that even like a related concept um it's so broad that it doesn't have to be a descent movie it can just be a movie about horror in a cave and that's enough that i, I think you're probably right and and the thing is that the descent part two it is pretty much a remake of the first movie you you have characters carried over it is a continuation of the story but um it still takes place inside a cave almost the entire time with monsters hunting people so you're getting a lot of the same action there this isn't we're gonna follow the characters or at least the surviving character from the descent in the real world because everyone's super attached to her and see what she's up to this is we want more cave action so we're gonna go back down into the cave so it it scratches that similar itch from the first movie while also carrying the descent name so that should get butts into seats and it didn't seem to work i'm looking at the budget box office here and we got 6.2 million dollar budget and a seven million dollar box office so i think um at the time that's why we didn't get a part three and for the reasons i said i don't think that we will get a part three or a remake going forward either yeah i think i think that's fair I think so that's our definitive me. thoughts on the Descent Those franchise. We won't, we won't get another shot at it, man. This is it. This There's is no it. more. They made another one. And so what did they do with the last call of the franchise? They tried to solve the first one uh, in the universe. So uh, you ever just been driving in your car 
and a bloody woman slams into the side of your truck. Ah, man. Not yet. Still hoping. That's what happens in this movie. So this is obviously um, very close to the end of the events of the original. I could not personally tell how close. Um, I don't remember if it's said, but uh, they are still looking for the the friend group from the first movie in this cave system. Um, and in particular, we have Dan, Greg, and Kath, who are like cave caving experts, spelunking geniuses. Um put out by the cops to like solve this mystery and so um sarah uh one of the girls from the first movie just appears just like runs out of the woods into this truck and they're like holy shit she got out she's alive what the fuck um so they go the cops go talk to her at the hospital and they're like hey we have an extremely good plan that i don't possibly see it could fail we're gonna make (laughs) you go back in the cave now and just re-traumatize you instantly while we go look for your possibly dead friends because I think you might have actually killed them. Yeah, so and, go and, get and in one this of, fucking cave. And one of them is like a senator's daughter, so we gotta get her quick. Yeah, we so, gotta get... This police chief really does only care about Juno, the senator's daughter. He could give a shit about the other girls. I totally, really don't think he cares. Totally. And so at the expense of Sarah, the woman the who made it out of, of the Sarah, cave, we gotta go get the senator's we have to, daughter. Now we're putting you back in the cave while you're mid-trauma and um seems to have forgotten that her own child died to really just make this worse and worse uh going through some sort of terrible amnesia so sarah's truly having the worst day of her life um and they go into this cave and you know for lack of a better phrase sarah goes into like action mode like she she starts very sort of um anxious and concerned i think justifiably because that would be a nightmare um but she starts like a she attacks uh some people in her party and just runs away because uh surprise cave system is full of um bat-faced monster men (laughs) who eat people and she knows that and she does not tell anybody that uh and she just sort of you know figures it out for herself so from there, we have the group get split up in the cave system because this fucking gun-happy cop can't leave his shit alone for one second. And um, groups get split up. People have a bad time getting attacked by monsters in a cave. It does turn out that Juno is in there, and they have to find a way to get out. Yes, Juno is in there alive, in fact. Yeah, important note, because there is a friend in there who is very much not alive. Yeah, there's, they find a couple dead bodies, and... You know, rest in peace and they make a few people. more. But Juno, in the uh, in the day or two since she was left down there, has become uh, Do a we hunting. Think it's only expert. two days. Like how long? Like I can't tell how long it's supposed to have been at all. Yeah, that's that's what I felt. I mean, she still has Sarah. Still has like these bloody cuts on her right. as they go into the yeah. cave. Right? She just got out of there. So, quick question for you before we get into this: um, do you, Are you claustrophobic at all, or like do you find the do you find that like the concept of being in a tight fit cave is scary enough to you without the presence of monsters? Yes. Yes. I would say so. I mean, maybe that's the reason I haven't gone in a cave. I mean, I can't think of a, a, an opportunity where it came up and I denied it because of my claustrophobia, but absolutely um, thinking about being in a tight space like that in a cave that does freak me out. Um, So, uh, 
I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm some people are claustrophobic, so that like if if like a blanket is wrapped around them too tight, they they're 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 really uncomfortable. You know, Brianna is sort of like that. I'm I'm right. not I'm not in that space, but uh, the thought of slipping through a cave like that does not does not excite me. So. I'll tell you right now, the absolute scariest parts of this movie for me are just the prospect of being stuck in a very narrow space that is difficult to move through. Like, I don't need monsters. I really don't. I'm scared enough by the idea of being in this fucking cave. Yeah, which uh, is really like <laughs> that's the that's the thrust and 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 part of the momentum of that first movie is that um the cave is shot so realistically. I mean, it's really dark. It's it's so cramped. The camera is placed so that you you really get an idea of all the rock and just like dark abyss around them and so you're scared for the first half of it anyway it feels like a horror movie regardless and then the extra wrinkle is that there are cave monsters in it and so that's uh that's part of the the um cleverness of this story i think i guess without further ado um as the person here who has seen the descent you may as well go first what did you think about the descent too I was disappointed in The Descent 2 uh, in, in a pretty big way. I think that this movie um, is is, a, is an okay popcorn movie. Um, you know, you do get a lot of action. You get a lot of creepy, crawly-looking things um, and a lot of blood, so, some action sequences. And so this movie isn't devoid of entertainment, but I think it is devoid of not just everything that made the first movie so scary, um, but also everything that would make this premise so scary. I mean, I think that the first movie did it so well in the way it shot the caves, um, the way the monsters looked, the the lighting in that movie it really does feel like you are in a dark cave and uh, it, it, it gets under my skin. And I think this movie is just missing all of that i i don't feel claustrophobic during this movie really at any point i think the lighting is um really confusing i mean the lighting is like really good you get a lot of sequences <laughs> where the cave is super super bright and i don't i don't understand it um and because of Do you that think it might just be like cinematic legibility or like they they felt like they had to do it in order like, to yeah because I think if you made it as dark as an actual cave you wouldn't see anything like is that maybe the thought like well that I'd say that would be the thought but we've seen it done once already uh, in the descent part one they did actual cave lighting um, where you know if if uh, the the scene was. In, in, if the characters were just using a box of matches to light an area in the scene, that's what they used in, in making that scene. Um, and so they, they pulled it off and the difference is really stark. Whereas this movie, um, it feels like they just weren't able to figure out how to do that or they weren't concerned with doing that. They thought that maybe the movie would be more fun or more scary if it if it took those liberties and you were able to see more and also uh, a first time director. So yeah. Like... Yeah. And, and I just, I, I disagree. I think that the, the um, approach in the first movie is far more effective. And so I think the cave setting is, is squandered in that way because I feel like this could be set 
basically anywhere. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't stick in my mind as a claustrophobic cave movie because of of um the lighting and the way it's filmed down there and then you get the monsters to focus on and i think i don't like the way the monsters look i don't like the way they behave i think they look like people in costumes in this one they changed the design a bit from the first movie um and uh they're, they're they're like bigger looking they're a bit more troll like they're a lot less weaselly and like um bony than the monsters in the first one they they look like they like spent the last two days since uh the characters <laughs> left just like bulking, bulking up <laughs> um and stuff like that it's just a shame when you're doing a direct continuation of your first movie this is two days after and so watching these movies back to back like uh, like apparently I did. Um, the difference is just the difference is is really jarring, um, and so I think the monsters don't look as good. And then the the way they are shot, the way they jump out, the way they scare people, I think it just feels very. It it feels like a movie, like where it's just uh, we know that it's going to be black, and then there's going to be a I monster hate jumping when out. Movies are movies. It's it it just feels so tropey, you know. Sure. Um, and and then when it comes down to the characters that we're in this cave with, the small cast of characters, I think the writing and the acting is is not good. I think very it's really cliched. Um, uh, it's it's uh, stuff I've seen before, you know, with who each character in this rescue team sort of um, exemplifies. I think the character arcs for our returning actresses from the first movie, I I don't think uh, feels, it doesn't feel real to me. It feels unnecessary. And so just in all sorts of critical senses, I I don't think this movie is a, is a success. But um, when it comes down to it, there is monsters, blood, and like people running around in dark spaces. And I'm sort of like I'm I'm okay with that, you know. I uh, <laughs> I like I like spooky stuff. I like when uh, there's violence and stuff like that. Um, but this movie just it it feels a bit too. Uh, too simple to be able to sink my teeth into and um also i i've got to say that like when it comes to horror movies this isn't quite my thing this feels a bit more adventure action based um and uh that's not quite my sensibilities um monster movies not not quite where i'm at and so um all in all it's it's not it's not my thing but i don't come down on it as hard as a lot of other stuff we've talked about just because uh honestly it sounded like you were coming down on it kind of hard so that it's interesting to hear you say that yeah yeah as i was talking right there's like there's honestly the only positive like i can give this movie is just that it's uh it is what it is it's like creatures in a cave and you see people dying and i think that's a okay way to spend an hour and a half (laughs) Um, um but I, I won't watch if if I can have my way I won't watch it again. And uh, what cave based movie that we've watched would you rather watch again? Would you rather watch The Descent Part Two or Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged? Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged in a heartbeat. Well, there you in go. A heartbeat. Yes, <laughs> I think that movie has a lot more charm. I think Dr. it has. Dan. 
Yep, sharks. it has a, has a sense of humor. Um, I think that it is uh, doing something for sharks being there. <laughs> it's 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 doing something different than the first movie. <laughs> this one just feels like it's aping the first movie and doing it in a worse way. And so, uh, I mean, as I'm talking this up, you're right, Corey. I do sound really harsh on it, and I would say, yeah, it, it was a wonder that you came back around to say it was okay because you sounded like you hated it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Maybe you should even edit that part out because <laughs> at this point. Say? Wait, that I say it's that I say it's not that bad. Um, uh, maybe I should just let those those uh, points that I put out just speak for themselves because uh, it's it's just uh, I d- I don't like a whole lot about it, but I I'm not coming in uh, hating it, and I guess that's just because uh, it's uh, it's a horror movie and. And I'm cool with that. You know, I, I did a similar thing with Brahms the Boy 2, um, but I also liked more in Brahms the Boy 2 than I did in this. A movie so, that I shit. think is bad. That's right. So <laughs> so we so we got to hear what you think about this. Now that we've set up how we both felt about Brahms the Boy 2, I mean, <laughs> where do you come National down in here? Progression. Um, if, if I like this less than Brahms, then where the heck are you at? So I think this is a set of circumstances where I am spared the burden of having seen the original because I there is a lot of stuff about this movie I don't like however I found a lot to be impressed by and plenty of it I just think is genuinely good and frightening none of it has anything to do with those fucking monsters nice Um, nice I could not possibly overstate the degree to which i hate the fact that there are monsters in this cave it's so fucking stupid it's so fucking pointless i don't understand why they were like you know it's not scary enough to be trapped in a claustrophobic cave we have to fill it with troll men like what the fuck are you talking about like i think this concept stripped of any like supernatural element instantly becomes scarier a bunch of girls went fucking spelunking and they didn't get out and then one of them miraculously manages it and you have to go try to find them in the same fucking thing that's scary enough man i was deeply uncomfortable watching kath in that fucking cave-in just sit there and sort of quietly panic while being completely basically completely unable to move or watching these people crawl through impossibly small spaces that feel like they communicate the fact that they are so unwelcoming to the people that are in them. Uh, I'm not going to argue a lot of what you said in terms of like, it's tropey. Um, I can't really speak to the character arcs because I don't really know where they started. However, um, this movie wants to make some kind of point about both female friendship and forgiveness and also like motherhood uh i don't i don't understand what what point it's trying to make uh about those things because they they play a focal role in sarah's overall experience in the movie um i couldn't shake the feeling that the the movie might want to be read allegorically um, in that the cave system and the institutions represented by the people that go with Sarah into the cave are like 
actively oppressive and making the relationships in her life, be it with Juno or that with grief, more difficult. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't find enough to really let that allegory stand, but it was something that came to mind. Um, but generally speaking, I think it's um, it's got tropes. It's got dumb stuff in it. It's got like the stupidest sheriff I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I found a lot of it to be really effective when it was mostly cave-based. Uh, I also think Shauna McDonald's really, really, really good. Uh, I don't love the ending. I don't really get the point of it. I don't understand why this, with this weird old man, is so protective of <laughs> these fucking cave monsters. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. But I found a lot to like. Um, certainly a lot more than you did, and I think in part it's because I haven't seen the first one. But you know, I gotta, I gotta own this. Yeah, for sure. That's I. I've really that that makes <laughs> this me never feel happens. So. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. I um. Now there is an outside chance I see the descent, and I'm like, oh, this is way better. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, but right, I haven't right. seen the descent. So here right. we are. And I think we've had that happen before. Like, um, well, I think you texted me when you saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, for the first yeah. time, and that was after I, our Next Generation <laughs> episode. What I yeah, and what I said was something to the effect of, I was giving the Next Generation so much credit for stuff that is just in the first movie. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Um, however, I stand by everything I said because here's the thing. It's still cool even if you're doing it for a second time. Sure, yeah, so sure. I'll stand by that. But yeah, I uh, I think that honestly one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over here is um, like the premise is very, it's just weird. Right, like cave and also monsters in the cave? No, even more specifically, police chief wants to bring traumatized victim back to place of trauma because he assumes, based on minimal information, that person killed somebody and they will prove it that way. What yes. the fuck? What? Yeah, it. I'm, I'm also, absolutely you with you. you. Don't bring murderers to scenes of crimes. Like, the mur- Corey, the murderer about? always returns to the scene of the crime. <laughs> With, that's, with police that's what help. they do. <laughs> um, yes, I'm totally with you. I think right from the get-go, this movie reveals itself to be uh, to to be like campy, to be more more ridiculous than the first one. A lot less grounded. Um, not only with the acting, which I think is just like uh, just far more. Um... Now, now, Sarah, I understand you're very traumatized and whatever, blah blah blah, but. I also understand that you're the, clearly the only person here who knows what they're doing anymore, but I'm going to handcuff you to me so you don't run away into this cave system full of scary monsters, and we're going to walk across this precarious rock bridge simultaneously. Yeah, it is. It's, it's and ridiculous. And neither one of us will die, I guarantee. <laughs> oh, <Is> it, no! <laughs> it's, yeah, it's ridiculous right from the jump, and it feels like such uh this is a movie where the writers hate cops i guarantee (laughs) (laughs) it feels like such an obvious lazy sequel idea like it's so it's so obvious that we okay our character from the end of the first movie is still alive depending on which ending you watch actually because the first movie has two different endings in in the u.s version the movie's a british movie in the u.s theatrical version 
we have we have Sarah getting out of the cave. She gets into a car, and when she's in the car, she sees uh, Juno, who she had sacrificed in the cave. She had left yeah. her. She had abandoned mm-hmm. her in the cave. Juno's sitting beside her in the passenger seat, looking all gnarly, and she, you know, she jumps, she screams, or whatever. The movie ends in the British version. The movie continues after that. After she gets scared by Juno, she wakes up back in the cave. Oh, and, shit. and um she sees uh, uh a birthday cake she hallucinates this birthday cake that belongs to her child who um died in a car accident with her husband at the beginning of the movie and um she thinks that that's the light out of the cave but it is actually just the light of mm. these birthday candles and the movie ends with her still being in the cave and so this movie seems to continue after the u.s ending yeah um also explains this movie's preoccupations with things that have basically no bearing on what the characters are immediately going through because it is tying up loose ends from right. a previous movie yeah that yeah. sort of explains that a bit because like they were hitting those beats so hard and i'm like you've introduced her dead child with a single line of dialogue and now we have an entire sequence dedicated to it and i i didn't know how that was supposed to correlate to um, her experience of having to go back because obviously she talks to Rios and is like, "No, we're gonna get you out so you can say those nice words to your kid in person." Who? Well, first of all, Rios can't believe you did that right in front of somebody whose kid you know just died. Yeah, you just <laughs> give you this big speech into your phone about how much you love your kid. Oh my god! Um, it, well, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Um, but that helps clarify that a little bit more. But yeah. also, that is so direct that like it may as well be one movie at that point. Like, exactly i think this movie is um and and this might this is probably commendable it is a, a, a clear continuation on the first movie and it is basically made for people who have seen that first movie you know obviously people who haven't seen that first movie there's still a lot to get out of it because you are going back into the cave in that sense it is sort of a a remake like people can have fun the way they would in the first movie um but it also does deal with those two characters remaining from the original but um what i was saying is that uh in continuing from uh the first movie you have this survivor who made it out of the cave it just seems so lazy and and so so obvious that immediately the police are like okay you have to go back there with us and re-encounter everything you have to help us you have to be our main character again it it feels so um so silly to me it's it's really really hard to get around i think that it it hurts the movie from the get-go and then our uh supporting cast is obviously just sort of like tropes like yeah creepy old man leadership guy horny young adult girl (laughs) yeah like you know i I'll, i'll concede that maybe that's not the most inspired choices in the world, but I will also argue strongly for the fact that once they start getting lost and split up and panicking, and it sort of minimizes the overt trope qualities and focuses on the human experience of being in a bad situation... I think it gets over a lot of those shortcomings and gets to the point towards something legitimately scary. I I do honestly think that. Sure. I think there's something, you know, genuine to be found in like attempting to convince somebody who has just been in a fucking rock slide, basically. It's like, 
we'll get you out, even though it's seemingly impossible that that could possibly happen. Um, or, you know, just the human spirit to like get out of a given situation, regardless of how difficult it is. And like crawling through on your stomach through something that's like barely a person wide. Like I get stressed thinking about the idea of doing that. So seeing people actually doing it, you know, I understand that it's a set, but like, shit, dude, that's fucking deeply upsetting. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, the actors do a good job communicating, A, how much that fucking sucks. And um, I also think that um, Anna Skellern, who plays Kath, and also Shonda McDonald, who plays uh, Sarah, both have faces that were made for conveying emotion without talking (laughs) so you put them in a situation and they you know you literally can't make noise because they respond to noise and just quiet panicked like improvised planning like the, the the range of uh feeling that i was getting out of them just literally looking at something i thought really helped elevate scenes that are built around the fact that something is not happening um or can't happen like when she's hiding uh earlier on when sarah's hiding and knows that you know this is um when the monsters show up but can't do anything because it's too loud um i do think that scene for example is definitely too well lit also but um i like those that's a really good way to put it, that they have faces that are made for uh, expressing uh, emotion without saying anything. That's really cool. I didn't think about that. And I think I think you're right, particularly for both those characters. And that, that helps me uh, give Shauna McDonald, who plays Sarah, a lot more credit than I, than I came away from this giving her. Because I think the writing um, and what she is given to do in terms of like dialogue and the turn that she has to take from uh, quiet like, and traumatized to, to, to badass cave person that knows exactly what she's doing and how to handle the situation. I, I didn't buy that at all. And I think um, she doesn't sell it. I don't know if anyone could sell it. I mean, um, I think the turn comes out of nowhere and I think that it just sounds so corny come these like directives coming out of her lips and yeah, so I, I'm not gonna fight you on that. Also I found my I took a note partway through um in attempting to describe <laughs> what I just said. Uh in particular about Sarah, but I think it applies to both. Um for lack of a better word, uh it's really sharp and inquisitive and you can read every bit of raw fuck this energy and anxiety of trying to figure it out. I think that is I wrote that about Shauna McDonald. I think it's true about Anna Skeller also. Um, maybe a little bit in a different way, but th- the fact that so much can be communicated that way, because I am a lot more interested in those quieter moments than like bright red George Romero blood pouring into your mouth as you hang onto a corpse hanging from a ceiling as you attempt to get across a chasm. Like, I don't know. It's a fun set piece, I guess, but like, I don't care about that. I, I I would have liked this movie if you toned it down and took anything like supernatural out. Cause then those moments where I think these actors are elevating material could happen more frequently. 
And I think um, that I would like the movie more if it was more monster stuff, more... (laughs) blood set pieces and i say that loving the quietness in the first movie and totally being with you in the fear of the cave and not necessarily needing the monsters there's a great um yeah there's a great south korean movie from 2016 called tunnel that's about uh um a man who's driving through a tunnel that collapses and he's just stuck down there for two hours and uh that's that's the movie um i that sounds fucking terrible <laughs> i love that movie that's the like, movie sounds good the circumstances sound terrible exactly and um and i i love i love that sort of thing another great movie um that's really simple in that uh in tapping into that instinctual fear of being trapped or being lost is gus van sant's jerry which is just about uh two men who get lost while going on a hike in the desert and then it's you're just stick you stick with them for about an hour and a half as they're just in this vastness of nothing and occasionally there's a rock and um i i really love just quiet simple movies like that but because i think that this movie didn't communicate that sense of realism well enough um with the lighting with the camera angles i never felt like this was a real cave except for the scene that you've been talking about where kath is stuck in the avalanche um and she gets trapped in uh with the rocks and the others are talking to her on the other side um i think the people on the other side of the of the of the uh the the rock fall um i don't think that looks good because it's it's still really well lit but i think her inside that tiny space those it's rocks, so good i like that for sure um but i think by and large this movie doesn't sell me on the tightness of the cave i think the geography of the cave is all out of whack i can never really tell yeah where someone's coming from where they're going and while that does sound apt because in a cave system like this you're not going to know where you're coming from or where you're going but i mean in the in these particular scenes of you'll see someone um standing somewhere and then you'll cut away to a monster that's like crawling out of somewhere getting supposedly getting close to them but i can't tell who they're actually closing in on where they're supposed to be getting close to um even though the tension is building and i never felt like that that was intentional it just felt like the geography and the the film language was confusing there even when sarah and rios are in a basically one person wide tunnel crawling and there is a monster at the other what do they have a name I just keep saying the monsters. Monster. Yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I do have an answer for this because before I watched the Descent Part Two, I watched it with Brianna, and she hasn't seen the first one. So I read to her the entire plot of the first one off Wikipedia, and there is a great line that we got a lot of laughter out of, and then kept referring to as we were watching the Descent Part Two, where the, the, in Kooky, yeah, in here in the uh, in the plot of the the first. Um, descent movie here it says uh here are two sentences so um about uh in the third paragraph here they so at this point they've been in the cave for a little while uh being all scared and, and trapped and stuff but they haven't encountered yet a creepy crawly a trollologue as i like to call them uh <laughs> 
As the others help Holly, Sarah wanders off and observes a pale humanoid creature drinking at a pool before it scampers away. Okay, that's a fine description. Next sentence. Later, the group comes across a den of animal bones and is suddenly attacked by a creature known as a crawler, is what it says in quotation marks. Now, I don't know... How I don't know if the creature came up to them and said, "Hey, I'm known as a crawler," and then attacked them. Yeah, well, I guess here's what I'm wondering: known as implies like a reputation. It does. It, like, it, it, yeah. like that people know what they are and they don't. Like you can call monsters in your movie whatever you want, man. Like. Yeah, so I don't know if this is just a liberty taken by the Wikipedia article. I don't know if this is in reference to maybe something in that first movie where they come up and maybe, I don't know, Sarah is like, I've heard about these things. They are known as a crawler. Or maybe they just start calling them crawlers in the movie and I'm forgetting. She walks around the corner of the cage and there's a desktop computer and she gets on Google and she learns (laughs) all about the crawlers. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe someone more familiar with the descent lore can let us know. This might be a lubbed in deal where uh it's not said in the movie we've watched but it's out there uh so you could call him a crawler if you want you could call him a trollolog you could call him uh, a beefy i'm just gonna keep calling white him man. Monster, I, don't know. I think you can call him a beefy white man <laughs> um i will say credit to any movie that goes for the bright red blood though yes i took note of that too <laughs> oh boy yeah like if we're gonna do this Let's fucking do it. Like, you know? And are you also of the understanding that that would not be accurate? Yeah, blood doesn't look like that. Okay, good. Okay. I I wanted to make sure I wasn't misled. Yeah, because it should be far darker, shouldn't it? This blood. Yeah, I think in real life, blood is a lot darker than that. I wouldn't know specifically, but... uh... I'm assuming that. Yeah, and it's it's so strange, too, because you would think in a movie like this, the dark blood would really be effective. Um, it's but a weird choice, but I'm instead, all for it. you have this really well-lit, bright yellow movie, and then, like, this neon red blood, and it's... Uh... <laughs> I think calling the movie bright yellow is slightly unfair. <laughs> <laughs> this is the brightest movie I've ever seen. Have you heard of the color white? pure light (laughs) um uh uh, i think another thing that i really want to double down on because i feel like i've sort of said a lot of what i really like in terms of the quieter moments the the way actors are carrying it without really like overtly capital p performing um this cop character can get bent it's so stupid it brings the whole movie down Right, uh, so so we know he's a bad guy. His character is a bad guy, and yeah, are are you saying a that fucking idiot? Like it makes the movie actively stupider because they have to pander to this guy. Okay, yes, that I... they made like you could just make him slightly smarter than this. Uh, like I'm handcuffing you to myself, even though you have nowhere to go, is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie because it instantly doesn't pay off and i know that's the point is that it instantly fails and they cut him off and they just let him die because he sucks and then get to go off and just try to get out but like it's so stupid it frustrates me 
Yeah, if if they were determined to do the handcuff scene where he is uh, connected to Sarah hanging off the edge of the cliff by the handcuff and then they have to cut him off, which is a, is a cool enough idea, I, I really think they should have taken a bit more time to make us believe I think the, the answer would have been you handcuff her to the cop when they get in the elevator. Yes. Because he doesn't trust that she'll stay. Yeah. So it's like, we're in here, and now, because I'm weird and possessive, you're not going anywhere. We're stuck. Because then yes. you can build it out a little bit more, get in difficult situations where you have to convince the guy that clearly does not trust you at all that you're trying to be helpful. Um, Maybe have that initial encounter where, you know, Veins, or whatever his name is, yeah, is made to be aware much quick, more quickly. I mean, his hubris will still get him. The stupidity of the handcuffing will still be his downfall. Of course, yeah. You make and, it last longer. Yeah, that would be such a good payoff. I love that idea. And honestly, that sounds like such a good hook in order to like to have that and to tease it out the whole movie. I think that would make the movie a whole lot more memorable. I would be like, oh yeah, that's the movie where the main character is handcuffed to someone like inside the cave for basically the entire yeah, time. Like, I like that idea. When when he's trying to like convince her to go down, it's like, no, you're coming. And if she's like reluctant as she is, he just does it then. Like, cause he's just this fucking insane, like loose cannon. He waves guns around while talking on the phone. This man can't be trusted. Like, yeah, I think it would establish like his, their, their dynamic and his character in a much more solid way instead of just these cheesy, like, uh, because well, we see so little of him because a whole quarter of the movie ish is dedicated to like the professional climbers or cavers who, get split up themselves and it's like okay cool but like i feel like if they wanted that to really like you know go for it you could do it that way um what about i I guess the one thing we haven't really addressed is like so from from that moment toward to the end of the movie like when they go back into that like feeding area or whatever how does that work for you because it's like it's the height of the more actiony oriented parts of the movie can you give me a bit more description about what happens there? Yeah, so um, if I remember correctly, so the dude, uh, the cop, falls into the pit and um, to save Sarah, even though he doesn't want to get cut off, so they cut him off, and then so he f- falls to their deaths with those crawlers. So then Sarah, Juno, and Rios continue and try to get out of the cave because they get into that big opening area where they're like eating and like dragging stuff in. And they need to get through that space without making noise. And then that does not ultimately work. So they have to go into like combat mode. Um, And then like, you know, Juno gets wounded and then they have their like makeup scene. And then they want to get Rios out. And Sarah's like, well, my kid's dead. And I made up with my friend who cheated on my me with my husband cheated on my our friendship, I guess is what I meant by that. (laughs) And um, good way to put uh, it. Poetic. uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get out of here. So she screams as a distraction, but then Rios gets out just to get put right back in. Yes, yeah. Uh, so I want to take some time to talk about some of those specifics there, sure. uh, but because that ending, man, we gotta we gotta dwell on it. But um, in in general, that whole sequence, um, sort of the cl- the climax of the movie, um, it it didn't really work for me. One because I think that's when it really starts to 
feel like a an action movie the slant um tips right towards like um we're not going to try to maneuver around these scary creatures anymore it's not tension it's just battling you know fighting um these creatures off and uh that is not really my thing um action horror and i think that it, it loses um uh all all the scary stuff that that um might have even like threatened to work for me certainly all the quiet bits that you talked about that that worked for you um that is the stuff that that i'm uh interested in and the horror stuff that i that i liked throughout the movie you know the big the big bloody set pieces and stuff i still felt like those were anchored by suspense and tension you know like um uh, they have to get across this chasm by jumping onto a dead body that's hanging over it and uh um or they have to like uh go across this uh narrow rocky bridge and that's of course when the cop falls and we get the handcuff scene which i think is a, is a cool scene i just don't like the, the way it's set up um and so when we get to this very end where it's just fighting that stuff doesn't quite work for me and then the character stuff at play between Sarah and Juno I just I I don't buy it 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 seems very it seems very written I mean from the very beginning the reveal of Juno still being in the cave um I think it's a it's a fine idea it's a it's a okay reveal I mean she looked pretty she looked pretty doomed at the end of the first movie quarter I will tell you I mean like Juno she's did? Yeah, yeah. Sarah leaves Juno in the cave, and yeah, we get a she shot does. of she's she's getting surrounded by. I mean, it's got to be five, six, seven crawlers circling her. Not looking good, but okay. We're, well, she's got uh, like a Tomb Raider, like Lara Croft esque <laughs> vibe here. Yes, yes. She's got a big fucking pick that she's just like murdering with. Yeah, and it seems like she's been down there for years. Hey, eh? she's like so it's, grizzled. That's and... why I don't understand. It feels like it's been like a year. Yeah. Like. Like that she's yes, yes. And so I yes. I don't I don't buy that one okay, we have Sarah who is so traumatized. Okay, that's that's fine, I get that. But then we bring her back to the cave and very quickly she turns and now she's like badass master of the caves that the switch flips, she knows how to get around these things she knows how to fight them she knows how to move through the caves we have her and then we have juno who is also the same way having been down there for two days so i don't quite get why we need two badass characters especially when neither of them feels believable to me because it has only been two days i mean i don't know what the alternative to that would be i understand the narrative reason they went there um but i i don't buy it and then uh to have the scene between sarah and juno there i think it just uh um i think it takes away from some some of like the the bittersweet sort of tales from the crypt ending of the yeah. first one where you and have someone getting what another character feels they deserve it just, it, it feels a lot it feels very cheesy resolving that so quickly i think for my money, we also see so little of them together that for it to magically come to a solution, born through like very traumatic circumstances, which I can understand. Like that is a real life reaction to have when you realize you're on the brink of that kind of thing. Like people make up and forgive all kinds of things in those kinds of circumstances, but um, you don't get enough of them 
cooperating or having to get over that grievance um to really i know that there's a whole movie of that theoretically but here there isn't enough of that no and as a a movie on its own there still isn't enough even if there's a whole other movie of it somewhere else and i would say even if you take the first movie into account it, it doesn't work out because um their relationship is strained at the very beginning of the movie, but it is only near the end of the movie that Sarah realizes that Juno has been lying to her, has uh, um, cheated on... Juno has cheated on Sarah's friendship by having sex with uh, her husband husband, um, and also has left one of their friends for dead in the cave that happens as well juno leaves one of their mutual friends for dead in the cave and then lies to sarah about it and um all that stuff together sarah realizes oh man uh this person not my kind of person and uh and 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 leaves juno and so for all that to have just happened two days ago and that's the last (laughs) that they saw of each other i keep forgetting that it's been like a day <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I i would think that juno would see sarah and would cut her head off dude <laughs> like she just not only did sarah stab or, Ju- or, or sarah would be like oh job ain't done yet like let's like exactly because dude sarah didn't just like run away from juno and leave her to seven of these crawlers maybe a lot of people would do that they would they would get scared they would run they would be like okay that person has to deal with them yeah. deal we'll, for themselves we'll no. both run but i'm gonna run now Right. No, Sarah stabbed Juno and then ran, left her, left her uh, wounded for these these creepy crawly trollologs to move in. So I just don't I don't buy that two days later they'd be like, you know what? It's wa- water under the bridge. It's cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Earlier, I said I liked this movie generally, certainly more than I thought I was going to. But uh, I am not above discussing its myriad problems. I just think that, for me, the stuff that works really works. And if The Descent 1 is just more of that, then I am certainly curious. For sure, yeah. I'm curious for you to see it, too. I think it's awesome that this stuff worked for you. I do have to wonder what it would be like if you saw the first movie. But uh, I can't. I, I mean, I can't say. I'm not going to tell you that uh, you'll think differently about this movie. I don't know. But I, I can't help but feel for myself if you know the reason i'm not liking these cave sequences is because like i have i have tasted the sweetest berry and now like i'm having <laughs> you know i'm having like no name frozen berries after having berries that are so fresh and it's just not quite there but if you haven't had any berries in a while you have some frozen berries you're like man that's pretty good berry i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm overall i think like especially if you've seen the first one there are worse ways to spend your time than by checking this out. Like you said too, it's relatively short. So it's not like you're Mary Poppins returning to the descent cave and you're going to spend like 16 hours of your life doing that. I think um, totally reasonable. Sure. I, I would say the same thing, especially if you, if you really like that first movie, I think what what's either going to happen is that you'll really hate this movie and that's just because you're so die hard on the first movie that this one you're really going to pick it apart and how it doesn't get there but i think what's more likely to happen is that you really like the first movie and you'll find enjoyment 
out of this one despite uh things you don't like about it and then maybe maybe uh you'll be a totally third group of person that finds stuff that you totally love about this one sets it apart from the first movie um you know where i come down is in that second group where it's uh despite all these things i've picked out that that don't make it as good as that first movie when it comes down to it you know it's it's just kind of fun to see these monsters slaughter people and get slaughtered themselves um and uh i'd say that uh, if, if you've seen the first one, go ahead and try this one out, especially because it's short. They're both on Amazon Prime. And uh, I think... Um... Oh, Corey, well, hey, uh, we also we got to talk about the ending quick. Oh. Very ending, just because, I I'll, guess... I'll sum, I'll sum it up in two words. Fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell, tell people what happens at the end. So, Rios through Sarah's valiant sacrifice gets up through the hole at the top of the cave. And she's like, holy shit. Well, she doesn't actually say that, but physically you can, this is being communicated. It's called acting. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, so she gets out. She's like, Oh my God, I'm out. Holy shit. Calls herself through this, the, whatever they use to like hide the, uh, the entrance to this cave system. And she's fucking gun. She just guns it like big big quiet place vibes if anyone's seen that one it feels like quiet place <laughs> ripped this one off <laughs> and so rios just runs for a while just like get me the fuck away from here holy shit hides up against the tree not hides but like leans up against the tree. he's like holy shit okay i got <laughs> She's out. still doing the holy shit fuck. thing with her face She's saying a lot so of holy acting. shit lots of holy shit um ed the old man from the beginning of the movie who hates mp3s um <laughs> shows up and smashes her in the head with a shovel drags her back to the cave leaves her body there for um a crawler to like come yank her back in and so there is no relief and nobody gets out and ed wins ed is the master of the trollologues and they're uh i mean Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, I did not think Ed as a character was going to really factor back in. It gets very far away from Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say later that, or I think they say at some point anyway, that like his family owns that mine entrance or something that they use. But like, there is absolutely no reason he would theoretically have any affection for these creatures and why he would do this is completely beyond me. And I think it's really dumb. Yeah, I was left just so confused. I think when you have a punch like that, I understand um, wanting to have, you know, a a quick dark turn at the end. I mean, I think the first one, it it has that as well, because even though you get Sarah escaping the cave, you get her simultaneously leaving Juno behind for dead. Um, and 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 it has that punch. And also, if you take it all the way to the very end, you've either got the scare of seeing Juno beside her in the car or you get the even darker turn of her still being in the cave. So I understand they, they want to have something to send the audience uh, home with like a, uh, I don't know, either darkness in their hearts or just like a, a sick smile on their faces. I don't know what they're going for exactly, but I, I like I like the idea of a dark twist ending. But um, the dark twist ending in the first movie, regardless if it's the U.S. ending or the U.K. ending, I think it makes sense for the character that you're given. Here, I don't understand it at all. It brings up way more questions than it does and not answer any questions. 
Question's completely unrelated to anything that we've seen up to this point, aside from the fact that these creatures are real. These questions are not compelling. Like, yeah. So if if the the creatures are this close to the mouth of the cave, and this is how they could get out, are they they choose are they choosing to stay because they just like it down there? Are they choosing to stay because Ed is feeding them like what one human every six months? I mean, <laughs> he can't be bringing them stuff all that often. Do they like to eat deer and stuff? Does he feed them that way? And is it like a deal they have that they'll stay down there if he feeds them? But if if they love eating humans, why wouldn't they just come out of the cave, eat Ed and everyone else? Why isn't the descent? three the jurassic park lost world of the franchise and it's the creepy <laughs> crawlies in like las vegas i don't i i really don't Why is get it the what they're going for of the franchise i don't i don't understand at all no it's bad yeah it's very very silly and it feels it feels actually like i'd say darker than the the original ending i might have just said that the original ending is darker but now that i'm really thinking about it you have the person that made it out alive your one person because sarah is dead everyone's dead from this movie you got your one new character that made it out alive she's now the sarah of this movie and uh not only has she most certainly not made it out of the movie alive she has been murdered she has a child she's also, been murdered yeah, and put back into the cave toward, sarah's sacrifice toward family and motherhood was rendered completely moot for no real reason yes so it just it it, it seems it's, really it's like bad. tonally inconsistent especially because this movie actually isn't as campy as i thought it would be um based on these the beginning based on our setup these three dudes these writers couldn't agree on the ending so they picked pieces of each of their endings out of a hat. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, because um, it's like some of this movie is like the seriousness of being trapped in the cave. Some of it is like archetypes having little dialogue spars, um, which can be doesn't have to be written like seriously. It can be written in a fun way, um, which I thought maybe it was going for at times. Um and of course getting sarah back in the cave just feels so ridiculous that i'm thinking okay this movie has has got to be taking itself less seriously than the first movie but then we have like the juno and sarah reconciliation at the end which feels like okay actually this movie has been taking its characters seriously the entire time um but then if it's taking its characters seriously uh it it is okay with seriously killing off every single character, especially the one that we've given the most development to, which is Rios, who recorded a video for her child and has now been murdered after being led out of the cave by Sarah, our former uh, heart of the film. So it's it's just it 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 does feel like the three writers had three different ideas and uh, they're sort of weaved throughout the entire movie. And all in all. Um, You've either got to watch the movie and and, and pick out the things you like, or you're going to be in like in the unfortunate camp of not liking any of them. I don't know, but I I I do think it's 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 worth it's worth checking out. But I think there is reason that um, the original Descent is often regarded uh, by like the horror fans and critics i know as as one of their favorite horror movies of the 2000s and the descent 2 is seldom talked about you know yeah no for sure and i think i think there are a lot of obvious reasons why it's not 
but it's still probably worth giving a look. Yeah. Do you want to go to the William Castle Film General now? Yeah, yeah. What is the William Castle Film General, Corey? I forget. I have amnesia. The Man, William this movie Castle does film the amnesia General. trope. My gosh. It really does. And so, sort of uselessly. Um, the William Castle Film General is inspired by the titular William Castle. And he is Hollywood's uh, schlock gimmick king. And so we needed to gimmick ourselves. And what the William Castle Film General does is um, if you're not careful, one out of every 100 listeners has a skeleton drop from their ceiling. But if you manage to avoid that, um, it will pick the movie that we are going to watch next week. Yes. And it might spawn a skeleton. Sorry. There's nothing we can do about that part. That's true. (laughs) So uh, how many movies we got on this list? All right. uh, We have 298 movies and maybe a couple special surprises in there tv shows specials who knows but 298 (laughs) items i've never been more terrified by the phrase uh maybe some special surprises in my life one of them is the is the spawn skeleton button hopefully we don't hit that yeah it's like big money no whammies it's that kind of big money no skeletons yep so uh here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna count down i'm gonna yell spin we're gonna hit the hit the big button and we're gonna get a movie okay or a special surprise skeleton or a special surprise or maybe a skeleton okay so here we go big money no skeletons three two one spin oh we're we're kind of in the middle again we've been here a lot lately uh 170 wow (laughs) oh boy all right, this is this is an instance of uh, William Castle, who of course made this this list for us, <laughs> being a bit being a bit uh, vague with what he was writing down. He was he was a bit. Uh, this is sort Ooh. of a sketch of an idea, and so did we get a special one. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a special one, but it's not. It is not a specific one. So Corey, you and I live on air are going to have to figure out what we're going to do about this. It's a good pick, though. It's a good pick. Okay. Um, but it's just it's not a specific movie right off the bat. Um, it is just an outline of something that would work. Anyway, before <laughs> before I say what that is, just for fun, I will say what we just missed doing. So you rolled 170 on the William Castle film, Genero. 169, just missed it, would have nice. been Prom Night 3. Ooh. Which, Big of course... Prom Night 2 fans. That's right. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. We love it. Um, 171 would have been... Donnie Darko 2, which I believe is is actually called S. Did Darko. Did we land on 170 recently, or something very close to here? This feels very familiar. It's it's. I don't see anything. Uh, oh, you know what? I see 168 is the craft, and I do recall us just missing that. We must but have been so, really close to this. Some, but you know what? Know. Some things are on the list more than once, so who knows where we were? It's a big list. Um. Uh, for example, I'm seeing here uh, 173 is also 294 that I just added a few days ago because I didn't know <laughs> that it was already on the list. Uh, there you go. Okay, anyway, so. 170, Corey, is a huge, uh-huh. huge franchise that we're going to have to pick a movie to watch from because I would argue that every movie in this franchise <laughs> applies to what we're doing here. Sort of okay. a, a leprechaun deal. And uh, the movie franchise is... <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. <laughs> uh, okay. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to assume one of these is on Amazon Prime. At least. Okay. okay. Let's operate on that assumption. I'm just going to try Children of the Corn. It's not on there. Never mind. This joke doesn't work anymore because the first result is Caillou. I am surprised, actually, because I don't know. I am stunned. Because, Corey, we have, besides the original, of course, we yes. have 10 possible movies Holy here. Holy fuck. Oh, wait. Okay. Now, here's and you're telling me do. none are on there? Here's wow. what we're going to do. I have reset the William Castle film genre. Okay. To do uh, from 1 to 9, because we can't do the first one. So, like, these will be 2 to 10. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, no, Corey. One- you're gonna don't worry, I took out the first one. There are eleven movies in this franchise. Oh, ten of which oh, yeah. are sequels. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just gonna we've reset we've recalibrated the genero. So here's so I'm just gonna hit it again. And we're gonna we're gonna find out. Big money, no skeletons. Three, two, one, spin. Four. Okay, so, so whatever will, the fifth one is. That will be the fourth sequel, of course. Okay, so uh, everybody, next week on the franchise, on the on the podcast, we will be talking about Children of the Corn V, which uh, for all you Roman geeks out there, that means five. Children of the Corn V, Fields of Terror. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds... That sounds... That sounds like a lot. Well, so there you go. go. It's, it's right smack dab, pretty much, pretty much in the middle. I mean, there are more movies after it than there are before it, but not by, but not by much. We're we're going right in the middle. Uh, this is one of six Children of the Corn sequels done by Dimension Films oh before God. it moved on to a new starring, studio. Every movie, ev- starring everyone's favorite Mortal Kombat conquest actress Ava no. Mendes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perfect. Same year as she appeared on Mortal Kombat Conquest. Her feature film debut, it says. All right, I'm going to get off this page. I don't want to know anymore, but that's a that is very interesting. Holy William shit. Castle is on our side this week. It's also really short. <laughs> I love it. And this is of course close to the release of the Mortal Kombat movie, so uh appropriately amazing. Yes. Amazing. So yeah, lots to keep up with, but for now we're gonna get out of here. We've been going on long enough, I think. Liam, do you have stuff you wanna plug? Sure. You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterbox. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price, and you can listen to MK PodQuest, a show I do with our friend Neil, where we talked about Mortal Kombat Conquest, and now we're getting into the movies and comics and all that sort of good stuff. That is MK PodQuest on all your services, social media or otherwise. And thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what you would call the crawlers. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time for Children of the Corn on They Made Another One.